And we are live back for our Wednesday episode, my favorite episode. Why? Because I'm just full of energy at this point. It's also the saddest because it means we don't come back again until Monday. But you guys recognize that wonderful face right there. JD is back in the building. What's up, JD? What's happening, brother? Thanks for holding it down. <laughs> Sorry, I, try uh, I missed Monday. I try my best. I try my best. But yeah. uh, uh, with that being said, when you were gone, I did not tell anybody to like or share until the very end. And I said, you know, yeah. if JD was here, this would have been said earlier, but I just remembered. Um, real quick, for everybody watching on TikTok, as always, uh, we are live on YouTube, as it says in the background. If you want to be able to participate in the live stream, comment, view the screen. with the, what we, we, we put videos on screen. We put the Bible on screen. CJD, uh, you got to go over to YouTube for that. You'll be able to hear him uh, if you stay here on TikTok and participate in, as far as listening. But if you want to be involved in the live stream, you got to hop over to YouTube. Link is in the bio. It's YouTube uh, at True Christian. Um, this is our Monday, our Wednesday episode. We are live every Monday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. And I got good news, everybody. The good news is we officially are an audio podcast. Now, you can't get it yet. Actually, you could if you knew where I'm hosting it at. I have not began to push it to um, Apple, Spotify, and iTunes yet because I'm getting the thumbnail situation, graphics, uh, description. I'm building out the podcast. But our audio is online. It, it, it has an RSS feed. Uh, I, I listened to it actually uh, the other day just to see how it sounds audio-wise because it is a live stream podcast. Uh, but it sounded good, sounded fine. And um, it definitely soon we're going to have it up there. And we're also going to go back and, and put a bunch that we've already done up, not all of them. Uh, uh, so that, that's, that's something that we're going to start making a change towards. And also you're going to notice that now that we know this will be audio as well, we're going to try our best to make sure that even when we do things visually, we are uh, explain what's on screen and things like that. Cause we have to be cognizant now that there's audio listeners and with audio listeners, they can't see what we're looking at on screen. Uh, but with all that being said, JD is back. We're diving into Galatians chapter four to finish off the book of Galatians. If you're not aware, we started our Galatians study last Wednesday. I think it was JD. Um, yeah, yeah. And then we Indeed. we didn't do, we didn't do it Monday uh, because JD was out. So we're gonna finish it today. Booyah! And 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 Mark's already said it just by default by saying he didn't say it, but I'll say it again. Like, subscribe, share. Um, thank you to everybody that's 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 always here. Those old faithfuls that that I saw you guys in the chat. Has it started yet? No. What's happening? Where are they? So so Mark was just quickly busy finishing up a a a, a must do video, <laughs> which we were just waiting for him to get through that. And uh, but God bless you all. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for being here. And as always, for those of you that do come late. And remind those that pop into the chat that they can always re-watch the podcast and the previous episodes and to get the full context of what we're saying, especially episodes like these where we go over epistles over two or three episodes. And it's always it's always better to go back to the first one to get the full context of what we're saying. Because, I mean, at the end, yeah, Galatians 4 and 5, Paul speaking very clearly about the promise, the promise, the believer's inheritance um, and then he goes on to obviously rebuke, um, you know, those who have an Ishmael faith. And and he goes on to explain the privileges of Christian liberty in Galatians chapter five, which we're going to get to right now. So uh, God bless you all. Welcome. Good to see your faces. Good to see you all in the chat. And 
Good to see you, my brother. Good to see yes, you. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, Looking I do good. apologize that we were late. It's all my fault. I'll be honest. It's all my fault. Right before we went live, someone commented on one of my videos saying that the Holy Spirit, well, they said, you can't, we're not saying you can lose salvation. We're just saying it's not a guarantee. I had to respond to that. I'm sorry. I had to. Maybe it's the pettiness in me, but I was like, I can't <laughs> let that slide because the Bible makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is literally the seal of guarantee. Like it's referred to that more than once. Um, so I had to respond to that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into Galatians here uh, because again, this is a great, uh, great book. Let's real quickly, I guess, summarize just in case people didn't watch it and they want to just jump in here. Um, chapters one through three. Uh, so it starts off in Galatians one with Paul giving a strict warning of departing from the true gospel of allowing anyone. And he even says in, in Galatians one, if anyone, even we, an apostle or an angel from heaven preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have heard, let them be, uh, well, accursed, anathema, depending on your translation. Um, and, and he says it twice back to back. And then he goes directly into giving a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess you could say like his resume. Because this is an early letter, I think it might have been his first or something his like first that. Letter, yeah. First letter, his, his, so yeah. he's yeah he's laying out like, hey, this is who I am. Just in case you're not aware, here's who I am. Here's the gospel I have. It wasn't given to me by man. This is God's gospel. Uh, and then he goes into meeting the apostles for the first time. He talks about you know conferring with them. Then he talks about rebuking Peter, rebuking Peter to his face, and then goes into. Uh, Basically, the walk of faith that we're called to do, and 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 it's the Gentile versus uh, Jew kind of thing. In Galatians three, we see that in Christ there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no free, there is no slave, there is no male, there is no female. Right? He really punches that home. And then now we're going to dive into chapter four uh, to finish this off. Uh, I yeah. think it's I think it's interesting that people fail to realize this. Every letter that we read from Paul, if you haven't realized it, his main focus here is to get you guys walking in the light. And with the conversation of once saved, always saved, I always find it interesting that people who believe you can lose your salvation will pull a scripture that's giving encouragement to somebody to walk in the faith. And it's like, well, what do you want them to do? If if our salvation is secured, do you want them to just be like, you know what? Live like the world, whatever. That's not that's not what's going to be said. Of that's course, we're still expected. Yeah, that's that's what really blows my mind is that they feel like when someone like myself or JD believe in eternal security that, oh, well, then all the rest of the scriptures are pointless. That shows your heart might be somewhere. But I want to walk like Jesus. I want to shine a light for Jesus. I'm not doing it because I have to. And I feel like, JD, it's almost like they're snitching on themselves. Like the reason that they do the things they do is for salvation and not because they love the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul, because they're looking at us like, well, then why do you do anything if you don't have to? Like, wait, yeah. are you saying if you didn't have to do anything for the Lord, you wouldn't? Because that's the problem. The problem isn't my doctrine. The problem is your heart. Like, let's be very real about this. Like, at yeah. the end of the day, here's what I'll say, Amen. and then we'll jump into Galatians. Whether you believe you can lose salvation or not, we should all be focusing on the same thing. Like, if you believe you could lose your salvation, would that change how you walk? If you believe you can't lose your salvation, would that change how you walk? If believing either changes the way you walk in your faith, then you're following doctrine and not Jesus. Doctrine mm, should mm, match. Mm. Doctrine should should uh, be a mirror of how you live. You How you live shouldn't be a mirror of doctrine, is my point. 
Like that's that's how doctrine is for some people, though. The doctrine becomes what their focus is, not that you build the doctrine based off our focus on on Christ. But amen. All right. I had to let that little vent. I mean, it's just again, just on the back of that. I mean, one Corinthians eight, verse three. Anyone, anyone who loves God is known by him. Mm. And we see the same thing in Second Timothy. You know, the Lord amen. knows those who are his. Again, guys, when, when when it comes to eternal security and those, I just saw someone in the chat saying, you know, you guys taught me that. And at the end of the day, when that thing clicks, uh, you know, and, and this is just personal experience, my personal walk with God. When eternal security clicks, you spend less time focusing on what not to do and how not to live that you actually just walk by the spirit of God. Once you realize, yeah, that's it. And not by sight. Well, I mean, Second Corinthians five seven. There we have it. We walk by faith and not by sight. And and the reality of eternal security when it really hits home, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a blessing because you walk as we see in Romans eight verse one and two. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ who walk not according to the lust of the flesh, but according to the spirit of life in Christ. And and that's that's what it is. That realization. Yeah. The problem is the way that. The way that people that can believe you can lose your salvation, the way they look at it is, is is as if the cross is assistance for us to complete this mighty work that we're doing. So it's it, I'm not even making this up. They call it cooperating or cooperating, depending on how which word you want to use with him. So, for example. Catholics believe in what's called synergism rather than monogism. Monogism, right? Mono means that you believe it's all God. God saves. God does it all. I don't do none of that. I can't. If I was up to me, I'd fail it. Synergism believes that God participates in the saving, but I have to cooperate with it. And it's me and God. But what they fail to realize is that goes against God's character. It goes against what Ephesians 1 says when it says it's all for his glory, not your glory. I just made the video. You can go watch it. JD got to hear me kind of yelling at the camera. But if 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 we fail at being saved after already being saved, that tarnishes God's glory. Because Ephesians 1 says that our salvation is for his glory. And, and that's yeah. what Isaiah says. Isaiah says he is the savior alone and we were made for his glory. So if he fails... Saving someone who he has already saved, because that's the argument, that someone gets saved and then Jesus loses them out of his hand, even though he said nobody can snatch it, you know, one of these out of my hand. That means he failed. He yeah. who began a mighty work in you will bring it to completion. If you're telling me that he begins a mighty work and doesn't bring it to completion, you're literally tarnishing him. But again, it's pride. People don't want to admit that it's all God, because here's, the, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. Here's the real reason that it's hard for people to admit this. If once you come to terms with once saved, always saved, you understand that I could spend my whole life serving God righteously. I could be per, almost perfect, right? Because as a human, you can get up there pretty close. Let's say I just, I'm, I bring millions of people to, to the Lord through my ministry and all these things. I would still have the same merit of righteousness as the guy that just came to the Lord yesterday did heroin his whole life and never really followed any good laws obediently. No matter what, yeah. me and him would stand in front of the Lord with the same merit. That's hard for some people to swallow because it's like, well, no, I've done better. I've done more. I've shown the Lord my great obedience and they want to be above. And that's not the truth. The truth is we will all stand before God as sinners. 
everyone, yeah. the dope addict, the fiend, the <laughs> homeless person, the rich person, the broke, the, all, all in front of him. So that's that's the problem here. But let's, let's I mean, even coming from another angle, and I know we we digressing quite a bit, guys. Just bear, just bear with it. We're going to get into this right now. But if you, if you, if you, if you, we just take another angle on this one, right? If if you had any part to play in your salvation, then the day would come where you had to physically pick up your cross and physically be crucified for your own sin. This this is this is this is the reality. If you had any part to play in the salvation that comes from God alone, we are saved by Christ. And the finished work of Christ. We're not saved by the finished work. Christ didn't say, okay, cool. Now I've been crucified. And if you believe there's going to come a day where you need to be crucified as well. Um, and so just, just bear that in mind that the time is coming where you're also going to have to die, <laughs> you know, a horrible death. You know, he didn't even say this. That's, that's not what he said. And, and Yuri, we're going to get into that because we're going to get into Galatians five just now. But yeah. a fall from grace, a fall from grace, if you go look at the first three verses, look at the first three verses, Paul is telling us very clearly there that these are for those who have put themselves under the yoke of the law and are not relying on the grace through faith. That's 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 the difference. We definitely need to do a once saved, always saved podcast again, just because it's something we need to make sure we talk to people about because JD hates being on that side. <laughs> he, he flips it around. Um, Because it is something that we need to really nail home with believers because, like he said, once you realize – because it's not really about a doctrine. I get it. It's this argument, once saved, always saved versus not. No, it's really about once you're walking by faith, and I've told you all the time, if you listen to me, you can't not know what the word faith means. It means trust. Walking by trust means trusting him with your salvation. Like if salvation is on an island and it used to be a tightrope you had to walk across to get to it, and what does James say? You break one law, you're done. You fall off a tightrope, you're done, right? You don't get back on the tightrope. Jesus walked across the tightrope. Matter of fact, Jesus crip walked across the tightrope, right? He went across with ease, laid a bridge down and said, follow me. You're on a bridge now. You don't have to look down at your feet every three seconds, worried about slipping. And that's what they want you to do. Legalists who tell you you can lose your salvation, which JD, how ironic it is, is it that some people that believe in faith alone believe you can lose salvation? Like, at the, yeah, it's like you're and legalist not, without being a legalist. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not faith alone, then, is it? It's not no. faith alone. I mean, John MacArthur said it beautifully. John MacArthur said it beautifully a couple of years ago when, when he was also dealing with a lot of this within his congregation. And he said to his members, Let me be very clear if you could lose your salvation, you would have. Yeah, already. Exactly. That's how clear it is. If you could do it, you would do it because we cannot be responsible because we've proven in 6000 years of human history that we cannot be responsible for anything. We cannot be responsible. We, everything God gives us out of the goodness and pureness of him, we corrupt because we listen to the lies of the enemy. The lust Amen. of the flesh. We we corrupt it. So if, if salvation was something for us to sustain or, or, or we had any part to play in it, guess what? We would corrupt that. We would corrupt that. We would destroy it. We would tarnish it. And this is ultimately what the devil has done. He has with 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 all these various denominations um, that that we can clearly see are crooked. This is what they've done. They've added works. They've added works to your salvation. Some subtly and some 
blunt, you know, bluntly. But ultimately, both are equally wrong because if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done and what he has completed on the cross, go back and watch the first John podcast again. He has done it all. He is the propitiation. He is the light. He is the bread. He is the water. Like we see this. Jesus makes these claims about himself. I am, I am, I am, I am. How many times did Jesus Christ say I am? I think it's like eight, eight or nine times. But this is before Abraham was, I am. And we see this again and again and again. He is responsible. He sustains. He brings it to completion. Finished. That's a big fact. And if you are watching this and you're one of the people that believe you can lose salvation, because there are people that follow me that believe you can lose it. Hey, everything to the side. Go look in your mirror tonight and really reflect on your life. For, we can play church games. We can play the games of like, I'm, I'm holier than thou. And we put on this front in front of others. And we never show our true selves to anyone because we know how dirty we really are. But when you seriously reflect on your own life and you throw away your own excuses and your own biases, if you're will, if you're capable of looking at yourself and saying, I deserve to keep my salvation, because here's what's crazy. No Christian will ever admit that he deserves salvation. We all say we don't deserve it. It's by the grace of God. But by saying you don't lose it, you're saying you deserve to keep it. I don't deserve to keep my salvation. And, and people look at me and say, Mike, you're so this. And I, I wish I was as wise as you. And that's just because on camera, all you see is the version of me I show you. I struggle with sin. I, I struggle with, with thoughts that I still try to take, capt- take captive. I struggle with laziness sometimes. I just don't want to do something. I'm willing to admit that. And I'm willing to admit that I sin against the Lord every single day. I'm not too proud to say that, to, that I don't because that takes away from his glory. He's able to save a wretched man like me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Yeah. Let's dive into Galatians. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. JD, would you like to lead us in a prayer before we start? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Heavenly Father, by the grace and mercies of Jesus Christ for bringing us all together once again. Lord, we, we thank you for each and every single one of our brothers and sisters. And Lord, as always, we, we ask that as we read the words of off the page that your holy spirit moves and convicts and pricks the hearts that it needs to thank you lord that we continue to grow in our faith that we continue to move and press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of god we thank you lord for each and every single one of our brothers and sisters and whatever situation they're in that you are with them all the days every single minute every single second of their lives and we thank you again for making this possible thank you for our brothers and sisters who are here watching and that they are blessed by your words tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so if you're new here, we've got the, uh, just to give you a little rundown of what's on screen. If you're watching, not listening, uh, uh, we've got the KJV and the ESV on screen. Uh, JD prefers the KJV. I prefer the ESV. And we know that a bunch of you guys uh, like both of those. So I like to put both on screen for you. So that way you can follow along in the translation you prefer. Um, I highly suggest if you have been watching us week in and week out that you have a notebook and a Bible. Why not enjoy the Bible study, but also take notes and and highlight and whatnot. But it's up to you. You can always go back and watch it later. And then on the left side, in case you're looking at it and you've got ADHD like me and your eyes catch everything, that is the Bible word study. 
with a with the Greek lexicon on the bottom of the screen. Obviously, we're in the New Testament, so I don't need the Hebrew dictionary because there's no Hebrew in the New Testament. So don't let anything distract you on screen. Actually, I'll go ahead and shrink it a little bit. Uh, it's there just in case we need it. And I've got the uh, ESV with Greek interlinear ready to go in case we need to dive into that. Uh, JD, uh, my wife is actually out of town, so I'm going to let you start while I go just check on my kids real quick and make sure that they're laying down and, and getting their nice situated. So I'm going to leave you with uh, the first four verses to go ahead and start, and I'll be right back. Sweet brother. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Everyone in the chat, uh, I just quickly have to address this question. So if you are saved while we attack spiritual, uh, spirituality, I think you meant spiritually, in Matthew 7, 21, um, you go back a couple of episodes. I think it was called the Deliverance episode and go see where we talk specifically about Matthew chapter 7. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. So uh, please go check that out, um, Joel. And um, that will encourage you and help you with that specific passage and who God is talking to over there. Remember, he says, I never knew you. There's a difference between the believer who he knows and the non-believer who he never knew. So a lot of people try and use the name of God to get where they want to get in life, but ultimately they don't have, they don't have a true belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So let's get into it. Galatians chapter four. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But is under tutors and governors until time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of woman, made under the law. So yeah, Paul breaks, breaks it down 100% exactly what Jesus Christ came to do. And we see this from Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. We see this. What did Jesus say? I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill, but to fulfill them. I mean, we went through this with Chad as well. Pluricize the word there in the Greek, that the fullness, Christ was the only one to follow the law of God perfectly, perfectly. No one else has ever done that. No prophet before Christ ever, ever managed to keep the law of God perfectly. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Because JD said that, you guys know when we're, when me and JD read the Bible, we end up bouncing around a little bit. I want to bring something up because you're going to run into people that that use this all the time against you, Torah observers especially. They'll say Christ didn't come to abolish the law. They forget the next part of it, like JD said, he came to fulfill it. And sometimes they pretend they don't understand what that means. And let me help you explain it with scripture. Go right here and open up Romans 8 and go look at verse 3. It says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So when Jesus said, I did not come to abolish Whoa. the law, but fulfill it, this is what he means that the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us because why? 
because we have Christ in us, which Paul talked about, I believe, in Galatians 3 or 2. Uh, I forget. Or maybe it was when we were reading a different book. Me and J.D. are reading the Bible all the time. That Sometimes I get I get the quote right. I just might place it in the wrong spot. But Paul says yeah. that it is Christ in us. Uh, it is not I who lives, but Christ who is in me, right? Uh, so that's Amen. why you have the righteous requirement of the law in you because it is Christ in you. So therefore, when someone says, well, Christ said it himself, he didn't come to abolish the law. Just ask him. Well, then what did he do? He fulfilled it. What does that mean? Because I have yet to have a Torah keeper tell me what that means. What what are you saying that means? Because if you still have to keep it, what's what is different today after Christ than before Christ? And if they yeah. can't answer that question or if they say nothing, if we're still doing the same thing before Christ, then he came for no reason and he was pointless. No matter what, in order for Christ to be who Christ is, he had to come and make an impact. If he didn't make an impact, then he's not who he is. And therefore, Amen. we're still under the old covenant. It all falls apart like a house of cards the minute you pull one out of their false doctrine. Sorry yeah. for a little sidetrack there. Let's go back up. And that's uh, all good, bro. All good. I mean, I also say it like this, you know, if, if you buy a house, you take out a bond on the house and let's say your bond is 20 years. You've got to pay this house for the next 20 years. You're paying off your house at the end of 20 years. You're done. Your bonds paid up. Done. Complete. Do you just carry on paying your bond? Because, oh, well, we've been paying it for 20 years. We might as well carry on. That, that, that's the same logic they use. Like it's been paid for. It's been paid. In full, Jesus made the ex exclamation on the cross. It is finished. Tedelestai. It is finished. So let's carry on paying. <laughs> let's yeah, carry what, on paying. What's finished, to pay. keepers? What's finished exactly? Yeah. <laughs> Amen, yeah. man. I'm going to start doing my apologetics with nothing but questions. Instead of me just getting <laughs> verses back at people for them to ignore, I'm going to start just going down that route of asking questions. When people oppose my beliefs, I'm going to ask them about theirs. Because when I'm too busy defending my belief, I'm not letting them expose their own belief. You know what? Going yeah. forward, you'll be like, okay, Playboy, since you're so right, tell me what got finished, what got fulfilled, yeah. right? Because yeah. like, what's the answer? And it doesn't make sense. So we're at verse uh, five. Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah. You started. I'll let you keep going with that King James accent. Here we go. To redeem them that were, keyword, were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We see the same thing in Romans 8. I mean, it's uh, again, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Notice again, what did Jesus, Jesus, Jesus say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to God, the father, but through me. There he goes. Confirming the words of Christ. Amen. No one gets to God, but through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. I mean, he's doing the same thing, like you just said. Let's 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 ask the question. Yeah, let, let's put it in question form. How albeit that when you knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. And he's he's talking about those Judaizers and those Pharisees who came, you know, with their 
you've still got to this, you've still got to that, you've still got to be circumcised, still can't this, can't eat that, can't be that, can't act like this. So we see this again and again. So we got a good question in the comments, and I know that we normally don't answer questions mid-Bible uh, study, but I think it's really essential to, to throw it in there since we're talking about it. Uh, Christelle or Crystal, I don't know how she pronounces that, said, so then do we, we, do, we don't have to follow those laws in Exodus and Leviticus. So the laws in Exodus and Leviticus, mainly if you're talking about most of the laws, are ceremonial laws, ritual laws, uh, sacrificial laws, and then there's the moral laws. The law that was given is fulfilled. Now, here's what people get messed up, though. Jesus does have a law. He has the, the law that he gives us, which is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor. And he says, upon these two, all the law and the prophets hang. Paul says that love, I mean, uh, that loving your brother fulfills the law of Christ. So we're under a different law. Now, the difference of, the, of this law, though, is this. Let me, let me be very clear. That law served a purpose as a foreshadow of Christ. And if you, if you, I know, I know your name is new. I, I, I start to recognize people. So you are newer. I can tell, or at least you don't normally talk when you start tuning in more, you, we start covering more of the Bible and it all starts coming together. But as we see in uh, Hebrews, or if we see in, uh, um, I believe it is uh, Romans, obviously, where he says that the law was a foreshadow. It's a foreshadow of what? Of Christ. It says that the righteous requirement is Christ. The law foreshadowed that. It always pointed towards Jesus and how perfect mm. he is mm. and how we can't obtain salvation on our own. So that was the purpose of the first law. The purpose of Christ's law is so that we represent Christ and we walk in the light. Neither of these laws ever saved. The first law didn't save. The law of Christ doesn't save. The laws were given to people that God had already created a relationship with. God always acts first. In Exodus, before he even gives a law, he says, I saved you out of Egypt. I saved you from slavery. I'm your God. Here's the law. So the law wasn't what initiated the relationship. It was given so that we can grow our relationship with him. Likewise, Jesus saved us while we were still enemies. Jesus saved us while we were lost in our uh, sins, dead in our sins. And then the law is given so that we can grow closer to him. So just want to throw that out there, that commands yeah. and law aren't what initiate a relationship. I mean, let's be honest. In my marriage, J.D., I don't know about you. I've got rules in my marriage. Do you have rules in your marriage? Yeah. Yeah. So we have rules in our marriage, but the rules aren't what initiated our marriages. Our marriages are based on the love we have for each other. The rules allow us to flourish in our marriage and, and respect each other and honor each other. Now, I might slack tomorrow and not do dishes. I might not clean the kitchen. I might not follow the rules that we have set. My wife's not going to divorce me. She's going to be upset, right? So that's how rules in a relationship work, obviously. So just want to throw it out there. Um, Moreover, like I just want to add, Christelle, I just want to add to you as well. And, and, and Kenny read my mind as he often does. But even if you had, even if you were willing to keep all the laws, you would fall horribly short on at least 100 of them because no sacrifices can be made today. So I don't know where you live, but there is, number one, no more temple. And number two, there are no more blood sacrifices So because there is no temple. So even yeah. if you had a willingness to fulfill the law or follow the law or obey the law, it would be impossible to do so because there is no temple to make 
animal sacrifices in. There is no high priest that you can just walk to up the street and go, hey, so this is where I fell short. And so ultimately, even, even if there was a willingness to do so, it would be impossible. And this is this is generally what we point out to those who have put themselves back under the law, which we will get into as we get to chapter five. So um, welcome and, and good to have you here. Good to have you here. Let's scroll down. Verse nine. Go ahead. I'll let you finish it out. Okay, cool. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, there it is again. I mean, we're just talking about the seal. Known of God. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Now, Paul is saying like, and this is the KJV for a lot of people. That's like, okay, what is he saying here? He is literally, in layman's term, he's saying, you guys are now known by God. You've seen the finished work of the cross. If we go back to the first three chapters, you've heard the gospel. You've received the gospel. You've seen what Jesus Christ has done and completed. So why are you going to something that is less important than that, that, that cannot save you? That's why he says beggarly elements. Like, and, and we see in, in the ESV, it says worthless elementary principles of the world. And that's pretty much what he's saying. It's a worthless, worthless elementary, something that was before that is no longer now, but it keeps you, what? Keeps you in bondage. You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. And then the ESV says, I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. So what is he saying here? Paul is saying again that everything he's taught, he's brought the gospel. He's seen these Galatians have received the gospel and they've changed and they've been converted. The Gentiles have come to the knowledge of the gospel. They've come to the knowledge of the truth. And then these Judaizers come in and they're like, oh, by the way, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, okay. So what are they doing? They lived in Paul's like, what, what, what I've given you all this information. I've showed you everything. I've got my revelation from Christ directly. These guys haven't and he's like have i labored in vain brethren i beseech you be as i am for i am as ye are ye have not injured me at all he's meaning you did me no wrong you know how through infirmity of the flesh i preached the gospel unto you at first and we see this being paul's very first uh, very first epistle and my temptation which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel from God, even as Christ Jesus. Where else do we see this? Go for it, brother. Well, I just want to throw out here uh, that Paul said that you received me as an angel of God. That word in Greek is angelos. And this just goes back to that time I was trying to explain to people that uh, angels in the Bible can be people. Uh, it just really depends on what what the translators decide to um, translate it as. Are these not following each other? Where are we at? Why did it not follow? It should be down here. Um, so for those that aren't watching uh, on screen, I'm just going to show the Greek here. Uh, for Angelon. Uh, oh, well, yeah, because the, the way that it's being phrased, so it's Angelon, but it's Angelos is the... Uh, is the actual root word, which is a messenger, generally supernatural messenger from God, an angel conveying news or behest from the God of uh, to men, almost an intermediary. 
Now, again, notice how it says generally a, super, a supernatural messenger, but it's not always. And Paul here is showing that he was an angel of God because, I mean, Paul is an angel of God. He's a messenger of God bringing forth information, right? Um, so just, just a little side note for your own Bible study, a little, a little thing in the back of the head. John the baptizer was also an angel. Literally, he fulfilled the scriptures that said an angel would be the, you know, the one to lead the way or, or pave the way for, uh, for the Lord. So that's all I was going to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, and then we see in verse 14 there, then my temptation, which was in my flesh, we see the same in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul speaks about a messenger of Satan sent to befay him, giving him a thorn in the flesh. Uh, he brings this up again. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if, that if it had been possible, ye would have, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. They would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when i am present with you and then he goes on to say my little children of whom i travail in birth again until christ be formed in you i desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for i stand in doubt of you tell me ye that desire to be under the law do ye not hear the law for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are these two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which dendereth to bondage, which is Agar, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Going back to what Paul explains to us to Romans in Romans 9 through 12. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry. Thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Children of promise. And this is key. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Do you see that? Whoo, man, that's so much power there. There's so much power there. And then he goes on to say, Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. I mean, and, and you can, you you can, you can, there's not really much you need to unpack there. He says it so, so plainly and so clearly. It, it's, I, I find it so interesting as I'm as you're reading it, I'm seeing it in a whole different way than I normally do, uh, because you know Muslims believe that they come from Ishmael, 
And it's interesting at how these are used. And you know, you are not a you are not of him. You are of him. And and the way that Ishmael is described, you know, you see that in Islam today, right? They're in bondage of the flesh. Um, obviously, Paul wasn't speaking about Islam because it didn't exist yet. So uh, who knows if he knew it would come? Because I mean. We don't know what God may have revealed of him, but I just thought that was very interesting because, you know, if you're not aware of this, they make the claim that they are the people of Ishmael, which I always found kind of funny because Ishmael is not in the chosen seed, right? It's the uh, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, right? Ishmael is not really considered a part of that because he was born of the slave woman, um, and it was a, a, an act of disobedience because God had promised Abraham a child, and he went and had a child with someone else because his wife wasn't giving him a child. Um, it was his wife's idea, by the way, too. So not yeah. not that Abraham did this behind his wife's back. But I yeah. just thought that was interesting to to hear that um, and just think about that for a minute. Amen. Ooh, rolling into Galatians 5. Anything that you want to say about Galatians 4 before we dive in? No, it's just very, very clear there. I mean, and 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 you know, I've actually I've actually done many talks on this exact thing. You know the 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 Ishmael having that Ishmael faith and and having the the Isaac faith and what what I mean by that is 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 if we move ahead of God and we see how this panned out for Abraham didn't go that didn't work out too well for them because Hagar and Ishmael were sent away and you know he had to wait again even longer for the promised son so. This is why when when oftentimes when we see people like when what's going to happen over eager and trying to move ahead of the Lord and thinking, okay, well, God has promised me X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to help God help me. And and this ultimately, <laughs> this ultimately never pans out well for mankind. It never works. Moving ahead of God is dangerous. So again, Amen. this brings us just brings us back to that. Be still and know that I am God. And ultimately Amen. putting your faith completely and solely on Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. Amen. Oh, man. No work, baby. All right. No let's work. Let's go into chapter five. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so, again, he's talking about putting yourself back under the law. Like, I mean, really, if you think about it, it is submitting yourself to slavery because when you're under the law, you're a slave to the law and and, and as a slave to sin, honestly. And, and Paul says this in Romans that you were you were a slave to sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness. And there's no other options. Paul doesn't give you another option. Right. So do you want to be a slave to righteousness or do you want to be a slave to sin? And Paul is basically looking at him like, why do you want to go back under the law? Like, what are you doing? And then he says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, I want to make something very clear here in case people read this and you're reading it while sitting in 2023 and you're like, oh, my goodness, my parents had me circumcised. Does that mean Christ isn't you know, uh, going to save me or something like that? Paul is speaking to uh, a different culture than ours. Circumcision to them wasn't like it is today. Today, people get circumcised that don't even believe in religion, right? I mean, it's just something that at the hospital, they ask you, do you want to you know, circumcise your children or not? Uh, it, so don't go fearing like, oh my goodness, I was circumcised as a baby. It says, if you, get, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Back then, circumcision was entering into the law. 
It was a cut, right? So a covenant must begin with the spilling of blood. That's just how covenants work in, in, in the biblical lens, right? And the spilling of blood happens with the cut of circumcision. Um, we know that, you know, in order for this, for the covenant to end, that the testator had to die, as it says in Hebrews. And that's why Jesus came into the flesh. He died on the cross. All right. So the circumcision in those days meant much more than what our hospital circumcisions are. I just want to make sure you guys are aware that no one's freaking out like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to not have salvation because my parents decided to circumcise me. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Again, don't want you thinking that if your parents got you circumcised that you are now obligated to keep the law. That would be a pretty crazy deal, especially since you probably had no choice in the circumcision. Verse four, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Now here's, the, here's a line that people need to hear. You need to hear this real quick. Paul's talking to people that aren't saved yet that are trying to be under the law. So when he says falling away from grace, he's not talking about you who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit have lost the Holy Spirit. He's telling these people that you have heard the gospel. You have heard what we have preached. He literally just said it in the chapter before that you've heard the gospel. And you want to go under the law? Same thing we see in Hebrews chapter 6. Same thing we see in Hebrews chapter 10. When Paul is talking to Jews, because during this time, the gospel is being spread amongst Jews heavily. I know nowadays Jews are barely ever mixed with Christianity. Like we're very far apart. We don't, we don't really talk. We don't really discuss things. It's like they're over there doing their thing. We're over here doing our thing. But in the early days of Christianity, it wasn't like that. It was Jew and Gentile this close, a lot of headbutting etc. So when he says you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. He's talking to these Judaizers who want to be under the law rather than trusting in Christ. So they're falling away from grace because they were born Israel. They were born these people that were children of God because Israel was God's chosen people and they have chosen the law over Christ. Again, Hebrews 10 paints this picture. Hebrews 6 paints this picture. And a lot of people they cherry pick, right? Oh, you have fallen away from grace. See, it's possible because the words falling away from grace are in here, not asking themselves, what is he talking about? What does he mean? He's not talking to a Holy Spirit indwelt believer saying, you decided to go under the law after you already been filled. No, he's talking to people trying to convince them to trust Jesus, meaning they haven't done so yet, right? If you ever read Paul talking to believers, he's not trying to convince them to believe. They already believe. Obviously, yeah. this part right here is speaking to Jews. Um, and then he says, for through the spirit, by faith, we ourselves wait, uh, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So for through the spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. He said that after saying that them who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. But we, for through the spirit, by faith, we... Notice how he's now designating that we through the spirit, you not through the spirit, we through the spirit, right? So there's the designation right there. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. I like that line right there. Faith working through love. Love is Amen. that work. Love is that fruit, right? When, when James says, pay attention. When James says faith without works is dead, what's the example he uses? Love. He says, if you see someone in need and you don't help them, 
then your faith is dead. What does John say? Me and JD read it a lot. He says that if you see someone in need and you have the world's goods, how does God's love abide in you? Uh, yeah. uh, um, um, Jesus uh, talks about this when he says that, you know, you walk past me and didn't help me, right? There was no love. And Paul says, loving fulfills the law of Christ. So faith working through love. If you have no love, then there's no faith because love Amen. comes from our faith. And it says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. And if you, this is also a good line, a uh, uh, verse here to remind those people that try and work their way for salvation, because what he's saying is whether you follow the law or not follow the law, because circumcision is of the law and uncircumcision is, uh, uh, is uh, apart from the law. He says, either of those count for nothing, only faith, only faith working through love. You were, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the off offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those, oops, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. <laughs> For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But Amen. I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, so much. I kind of want to stop. But then again, I like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to keep I mean, going. There's, the, oh, there's so much. Just just quickly, just on that there. And, and, and what we see from this passage now, what comes next, Paul goes in and he explains what the lusts of the flesh are, and then he goes on to explain the fruits of the spirit. But what's important to 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 notice here, what he says, uh, don't devour one another. What do we see on TikTok all day, every day? Oh man, all day, every day, Christians biting at one another and devouring one another. Uh, we've seen, deep. we've seen brothers part ways and call each other, no longer call each other brothers in Christ simply because of this devouring one another. And, and, and as we get to the fruits of the spirit, which we will in a minute, as we get there, we realize that when we react this way, and even I have, even I have, you know, and you know, if I'm not preaching to anyone else, I'm preaching to myself, you know, we, <laughs> I've had to sit back and go, was that the Holy Spirit in me or was that my flesh? Was that from the Spirit or was that from me? Because if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. It's 100% it's, it's clear there. This is yeah. not how we as brothers and sisters in Christ are to act. Oh, I see now what I did wrong. It's beautiful, man. Sorry, absolutely I was, uh, beautiful. 
I'm over here changing a little bit of settings that I just realized I had off. But yeah, that that uh, man, I didn't even think about that. Thank you, JD. I needed to hear that because that is a and we see that the people on social media that let the, let it consume them, it devours them as well. We all know who these people are. We've seen them where they start engaging in it, right? And they start to trying to devour one another and then people then are now going at them and, and that's what they become that's what their entire platform becomes it's what their entire goal is and it consumes them and it destroys them because they start like you know, going off the rails on stuff um yeah so yeah let's go ahead and and and, and it's important to also read the part that we kind of uh didn't go to we we went, went to that but it says for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, right? So people say, well, if once saved is always saved true, then why can't I just do whatever sins I want, et cetera, et cetera? Well, Paul makes it clear. He says it in Romans as well. You know, should we sin because grace abound by no means? But here he goes again, like don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, right? Yeah. So- you are free. That's it. Oh, That's my bad. It. Were you about to say something? No, I'm just saying I'm I'm agreeing with you. That's exactly it. I oh, mean, okay. we we've we've got this this Veronica in the chat. I have a question. Why do other Christians talk against each other? Is it to try and see who knows more about the Bible? I hope I worded it correctly. And again, this pride. is this is pride. Right. <laughs> we've 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 both spoken about this many many times in our videos, our podcasts, our live streams. Pride kills the man. Pride comes Selfish before the ambition, fall. jealousy. I yeah. mean, James three summarizes it. It's it's fleshly wisdom because it's demonic. It comes from pride and selfish ambition and and jealousy. Right? Why do Christians talk about each other? Well, they see someone else getting eyes and like, well, they're wrong. So let me point out how wrong they are. So everybody that's looking at them will now look at me. Well, let me show people how much I know. And and yes, it's it's a huge pride issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and, and so here we go. I mean, it gets he gets right into it now. For the for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Paul's right there for a minute. Actually, people ask all the time, "How do I, how do I recognize the spirit?" Right? You always say, "Walk in faith and follow your spirit, and walk in the spirit." How do I recognize it? Paul summarizes it right there. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. If you feel a desire that's against your flesh, if it's selfless, that's of the spirit, right? Your your spirit, your flesh is never going to give you a compulsion to go feed the the needy. Your flesh is never going to give you a compulsion to be completely selfless. In fact, when you get those selfless feelings, it's the flesh that that's like, you should record this. I'm about to feed this homeless person. Let me pull the phone out. That's your flesh right there. Let me show others that I'm doing this, right? You're, if you want to know how to follow the spirit, a great way to start is pay attention to the selflessness that's in you. That selflessness comes from the spirit. Your flesh is opposed to the spirit. Your flesh will never send you down the path of selflessness. And he says, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, which goes kind of hand in hand with Romans seven. When Paul says, I do not do the things that I want, but I do the things that I do not want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now the works of the Ooh. flesh are evident. Yeah, boom, right? That was, read it. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. Now the works yeah. of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me stop here. Let me stop here for a second and kind of get, wrap this up for you. When Paul says those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, he's not saying if you're saved and you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? He's making it point. He's pointing it out to you that we are not to affiliate ourselves with those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying those people that do these things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So therefore you should not be doing that. Why? Because Paul tells us not to have fellowship with the world, to flee your passionate, your, 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 your youthful passions and lusts to uh, be a light of the world. Right? So he's yeah. telling you, don't let your fleshly desires win. And then he tells you what the fleshly desires are, you know, sexual Im immorality. When I get the desire to have sex with someone who's not my wife, that's a fleshly desire. Not that I get that desire. I just want to throw it out there in case anybody takes that too literal. But I'm saying <laughs> if I was to get that desire, that's of the flesh. It's not of the spirit, right? But if you are a Christian who, who has battled with issues of strife and jealousy and fits of anger or envy, he's not saying you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying that those people that live in that, that that's what they are uh, – uh, consumed with of the flesh people they're not going to inherit the kingdom of god and just like jesus says seek first the what righteousness and the kingdom how do you seek yeah. the kingdom by being involved in the kingdom focusing on the kingdom paul's telling you don't be focused on the things of the world that aren't going to be in the kingdom like that's basically what he's saying here like that's not going to the kingdom so why would you put your focus there if that's not going to be in eternity, why are you focused on it? Which I believe a couple chapters ago, he kind of says something very similar. And then he says, but the fruit, notice the, notice it's fruit. I, I've realized it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. And I used to be this person. I, I used to say the fruits of the spirit, yeah, right? But it's one fruit. And that one fruit has a plethora of things. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Mm. And I think it ends here in a couple. Yeah, let's just end it real quick. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Notice that little last line he ends in there that yeah. while you walk in the correct path, don't provoke others not to walk in that correct path, right? How can I do that? Being passive aggressive to somebody I disagree with, poking at them, knowing that their anger is getting stirred up, knowing that they're getting uh, uh, full of rage and kind of pushing them to explode. We see this on TikTok too. People that are super like that fake humble and it's like their fake uh, uh, passive aggressiveness to make someone else explode. Why are you provoking them to sin? 
Your goal should yeah. be to alleviate the problem and end it. But you want them to get angry so you can point at him and be like, look how much, look how unsaved he is. Look how unsaved he is. Brother, you 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 just brought him to that place. What does that say about you? All right? Yeah. So I will let you, uh, I'm sure you got some two cents to add to. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, and it's, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, when we look at that again, when Paul says, when Paul says, you know, he points out those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. But it's important to look at the the full context, yeah, because what he's saying beforehand, you know, and just adding on to what Mark has already said, those who walk according to the spirit, as we see in Romans chapter eight, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So no one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit is practicing sexual immor immorality. No, no Christian, Holy Spirit filled Christian is, is worshiping idols, is practicing witchcraft, is having of anger where they just lose it completely constantly this is this is these are signs and this is why i said the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness we see that this these are attributes of the christian who will display these love joy peace in different times during their walk with god again we know that we're being sanctified Again, we know that we're being tried. We are being refined by the refiner. He's the part of we, the clay, right? So again, we we don't get to we don't get to dictate how and what how others should and shouldn't be if we don't know where they are at with God. And this is why you, for those who've, who've come over to the Discord and have have you know have been in the chats when I when I when I go on a mission on Discord, is again we can't make blanket statements and say. This applies universally to everybody like BAM, because if, if we're honest we and we look back at our own walks with Christ five years ago, 10 years ago, and we see where we are now, this is a good reminder to operate in the same grace that God has shown you. You know, God has given you grace and given you mercy while you grow in your faith. And Amen. you now being mature in the faith, need to operate in that same mercy, that same grace towards those who are younger. This is why Paul says to us, redeeming the time. We redeem the time with those that are younger, that have fallen, that have slipped. We don't stand over them with rods and condemn them. As we see now in Galatians, as we go into Galatians 6, this is how he starts. Because now he ends with this. That he ends in, in, in chapter 5 with this power of that's how it is. Let us not be envious of one another. Let us not do this to one another. Let us provoke one another. And then look, let's just go to 6 verse 1. And he, he, he see, look what he says right here in the very first very first verse in 6 verse 1 and 2. I mean, this is I just love the way he starts here. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted too. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I just read from the ESV there. But I mean, we see this. We see this so unequivocally clear. When you see someone that has slipped into sin, you are to do what? Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself so that you are not also tempted. And once we bear one another's burdens, we do what again? He uses that word again, fulfillment, fulfill the law of Christ. So again, we see everything coming 
from Jesus Christ is to walk in love towards our brothers and sisters, whether they have slipped or haven't slipped or where they are at, we walk in love, redeeming the time. Um, I like that he starts off this way because remember also we say it all the time that chapter numbers, uh, uh, chapters and verse numbers came around 500 years ago. So this is a fluid, uh, you know, he's he's going straight into it. And it's important that he says this because like JD said, right, the people that live for those desires of the flesh, they're not Christians. And then you might hear it and be like, well, wait a minute, I've, I've had issues with envy or jealousy. That's not living that way. What does he say? If anyone's caught in any, any transgression, right? Because we as Christians, we slip into transgression. We're not perfect. And, and I think I've even told y'all before, when we're looking for the fruits in people's lives, it's not watching to see if they sin. It's watching to see how people respond to their own sin, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be responding to our own flesh with the fruit of the spirit, right? When someone slips up and falls, they get up and they want to do better. They, they want to focus on God. And he tells us, like, like J.D. pointed out, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, right? I believe what he means here when he says you who are spiritual means that you're someone who is walking in step with the spirit, right? Because you're yeah. spiritual. You're not walking in the flesh. If you were walking in the flesh, then he would not call you spiritual. He would say, you know, the flesh person. I don't know what he, <laughs> you who are fleshly. Um, but yeah, and I love that it says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of Christ, which is what to love God with all your heart, mind and soul and to love your neighbor. Yeah, go ahead. You were reading. I don't want to cut you off. You keep going, man. I mean, I, I'm just going to use this as an example. <laughs> I'm just going to use this as an example because I mean, I haven't even I haven't I haven't even told Mark this. But the other day I came across a live on TikTok and 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 um <clears throat> They were, you know, speaking about, uh, you know, eternal security being false. And, um, you know, then I heard them start talking about my brother here, Mark. And they were like, yeah. And then I was like, guest Is request. Is I know? <laughs> yeah, as a young young kid. So anyway, I went on and then he's like, yeah, but, you know, I don't talk to Mark and I don't watch him anymore because Mark's a Calvinist. And I said, okay, so you've you've made assumptions based on other videos you've seen, no doubt. Um, and I said, but let's just get the record straight. And anyway, we, we cleared the whole thing up. And afterwards, he, he openly apologized, you know, for speaking things he should not have spoken. Um, but the reason he did, and, and, and I'm not flexing, and I'm not boasting, but when we, and I, I was, I, I let him speak, I let him have his say, and I approached it quietly and asked him a few simple questions to which he couldn't answer. And then I said, so there we go. My point has been made. And that he eventually was like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. And and again, it's it's the spirit, it's the Holy Spirit working when when we approach someone with with meekness and with love. And um he repented and he was like, Well, my bad, you know. And ultimately, um, we saw I saw him restored and um you know, there was weren't too many people. It was like 30, 30 or 40 people in the live. But ultimately, everybody got to hear from, you know, you know, hear both sides of the story. And and this is just, an, again, another example of Christians discussing other Christians on their lives when they are not present to defend themselves. Like, let's it's something you've got to stay away from. Brothers and sisters, if you get to a live and you see Christians discussing a specific, you know, or particular 
um, creator, ask the question, is that creator present to defend himself? Is he present to, you know, to give his side of the story? Because ultimately what happens there is it's, it's, it's demonic. It's not of, it's not of, it's not of God. It's not of God. We don't get to discuss other Christians and, and make assumptions about other Christians if they are not if they are not available to defend themselves and give their take. Exactly, right? It's gossip, and they're not they're not able to go. Well, you took me out of context, or this is what I meant, or that's what I said. So again, like stay away from from live streams where they're discussing other Christians constantly, rather than just edifying you with the Word of God, because. That's no good for your ears whatsoever. As my page grows, I know that I'm going to appear more and more and more on people's uh, live streams. So I'm actually not surprised that there was a live stream talking about me. But though I, I do love the fact that JD was present and able to just be like, hey, at least represent him properly. I, I don't yeah. expect everybody to like me or agree with me. It only bothers me, though, if you don't like me or don't agree with me based on a lie. Because then it's like, bro, that's that's not even me. That's a false image of me. I don't know that guy. Calvinist. That's <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, 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 I thought I saw a question that actually piqued my consideration here. Um, oh, 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 real quick. Yuri said, I received Christ. And let me put it on screen. I received Christ as a kid, was in church for 10 years and fell off for five, doing all the things we read in 19 through 21. Came back December 22nd, also got baptized. Now I don't do those things. Was I not saved in those 10 years? So here's what I can tell you. I can't tell you if you were saved or weren't saved because I don't know your heart then. What I can mm -hmm. tell you is you're saved today, right? And we sometimes harp on this stuff. Here, let me, let me share how I, uh, let me share something with you so you can see that we relate. I was baptized as a baby, raised in a Catholic home, and I knew Jesus. I knew him, and I loved him. I used to write about Jesus. My first words were hallelujah. I loved Jesus. Um, and then I became a young adult, a young teen, whatever you want to call it, and I turned to sin and drugs and sex and gangs and the world. I wanted the world. I knew Jesus. I wasn't a follower of Christ. I trusted him, but I didn't follow him. Um, and then I didn't come to Christ until I was 26 at the pit of my depression, at the pit of my addiction, at the pit of the deepest, darkest place I can be. I came to faith. Now, if you ask me, when did I get saved? I believe it was that night when I was 26, but could I have been saved the whole time and God never left his hand, lifted his hand off of me? It's fully possible. And here's how I can, the reason I can say that, because I can look back at those bad years and see God protecting me even in my rebellion. Uh, I would I tell people this sometimes as a joke, but in a serious matter, I was shot at more times in my civilian life than I was in the Marine Corps, right? People always ask me about the Marine Corps and the violence. Like my life before the Marine Corps was more dangerous than my life in the Marine Corps. Um, I was involved in some terrible things. Every time things happened, it was like, I should be dead. That, that There's no reason why all those bullets hit my car and not one hit me. I'm talking about holes in the front and the back everywhere, but I'm not hit. There's no reason when I rolled my car and flew out of the sunroof that I didn't get crushed or break a bone. There's no reason why all these different moments in my life, I walked away unscathed. And sometimes I wonder, was God's hand on me because he knew where I was going and this journey was necessary for my sanctification? You see, yeah. I know people want to believe that regeneration 
and and sancti- and 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 sanctification and and being saved happens on one moment but the more i get to know people that have a faith in christ and talk to them about their testimony the more people i learn that that saw god in their life before they actually came to him and in fact the reason they came to him is that they look back and realize god was already working on them most people, mm. if you really get them to dive deep into their life before Christ, there's a period where they start seeing God tugging. God's calling on that heart. Now, granted, there's some people out there that get that tug and they reject it. This is why I'm not a Calvinist, because I do believe man can harden his heart. But I don't deny the fact that God calls everyone that is saved. He calls everyone because it says it in the Bible that God must call you. You don't come on your own because if it was up to you, you wouldn't want him. Right. So I do believe God calls. So to answer your question, my answer is it doesn't matter, my sister in Christ, because today is the day of salvation. Are you in Christ today? Right. Amen. It doesn't matter what all of your life is. When you stand before Christ, are you in him or out of him? Now, could you, could you have been saved for those 10 years? Maybe. Maybe you were going through some stuff like First Corinthians 3 says. It says that uh, the foundation which has been laid is Christ Jesus and no one can remove that foundation. And then what you build upon it, you can suffer great loss because the fire will test it. So is it possible you had the foundation of Christ 10 years ago? You built terrible things on top of it and therefore God put you through punishment? That's a possibility. Then you came back home. Or maybe maybe you weren't saved. And maybe you didn't come to him until December 22nd. There's a possibility. But at the end of the day, all I care about is, do you know him today? That's all I care about, my sister. And that's that's what I want you to focus on. Whether you were or weren't saved, you know him today. And that's what I care about. Amen. I mean, I just want to address something on, on in the chat. Uh, the mountaintop. No one is Christian, but he preserves even to the end. Earlier, uh, that's by Tertullian in in. 197 AD earlier he said the church fathers didn't believe in eternal security um and i see um you know we've got we've got some it's quite fitting that we re- we're reading galatians tonight because again tertullian came 200 years after the apostle paul um and what does the apostle paul say to us in 13 of his epistles again and again and again and again and again well, real quick if, if I can, I just want to I want to just say one thing about his uh, quote from Tertullian. I actually agree with you, Mountaintop, that no one is a Christian, but he who perseveres to the end. The difference is that you, uh, that we have a semantic issue. You see, I believe that true faith will persevere to the end and only those who have true faith are saved. People that fall off. It's not that they lost their salvation. It's that their their faith got tested and it found to be untrue. Right. So what does Paul say? Make sure you are of the faith. He says, make sure you don't believe in vain. You can 100% have a false faith because faith means trust. And we all know from experience, you can think you trust something. But when do you find out the trust isn't real? You don't find out the trust isn't real until the time comes. And I always use this as an example. Let's say you've never flown on a plane before, but you're convinced that I trust planes. But then the day comes to get on a flight and you stand at the door, you're shaking. And you're like, you know what? I can't do it. You don't get on that plane. That means you never actually trusted them. You thought you did until the time came when it it came to get on it. Same goes with Jesus. It's easy to say, I trust Jesus. But is that trust real? Only time will tell through persecution and suffering. This is why Paul said, we rejoice for suffering because it produces endurance. 
If you don't like the statement once saved, always saved because of the false representation that is it's had, how about this one? Would you agree with this statement? True faith will always persevere. True faith will always endure. True faith will finish the race. That's what we believe. So you're right. Only a, a, no one's a Christian until they finish the race. You're absolutely right. We probably shouldn't be so boastful in our salvation sometimes for some people. Whatever. I'm cool with that. Are you willing to agree, though, that someone with true faith will persevere? So I just wanted to throw it out there. Sorry, JD. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, absolutely. And and, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, uh, again, and, and what I just wanted to end up with, uh, you know, and off with was, was again, just be careful of, of, of going to quotes. Like I've seen people do this with Spurgeon. I've seen them do it with Polycarp. I've seen them do it with, 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 with theologians that came before us. And they'll, they'll take a quote by a theologian and incorporate that as sound doctrine. Again, what does the text say? What does the text say? And again, we understand that most of these, most of these quotes, we have to, we're getting a quote. We're not looking at the fullness in the context of what they're saying. Oftentimes I've seen Spurgeon quotes. And then when you do some research on what Spurgeon was saying and you look at the full sermon, because you can actually find Charles Spurgeon, you can find a lot of his full sermons and writings um, if you do some research. And if you look at the context of people will take an end quote of something he said and go, that's what Spurgeon believed. But if you look at the context of what he's saying, we see it today on TikTok. People will stitch videos, take videos out of context, take pieces of videos, clip it, paste it, and say, that's what so-and-so believes. Again, we, we we look at the context of what people are saying. We, we, we go, okay, I can agree and I, or I can agree to disagree, whatever the case may be, but have a conversation. That's what we are called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ, is have a conversation about our disagreements, not 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 make assumptions about, okay, well, that's that's what they believe because as mike said the 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 one saved always saved is badly misrepresented on on tiktok by those who don't believe in it their their the opinion is, is go ahead my twisted. bad my bad no 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 carry on brother i was gonna say that I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to grow my faith, and I'm sorry I can't help but laughing at JD changing the positions. He's he does not like it when I when I put myself in the number two spot. But um, <laughs> all right. So I just want to point something out that that I've grown to understand, and, and I and I thank the Lord for this this level of wisdom that I believe He has blessed me with because it has changed the way I view a lot of things. I have come to understand that semantics are so important and not just beyond large gaps, but even in today's age, for example, JD was raised different than I was. Therefore, every word he hears, there's a definition and then there's experiential things, right? So therefore, if I say once saved, always saved to him, it might mean something completely different. Likewise, even how I explain salvation, when we can look beyond semantics and really dig deep, like what do we actually mean? That's why I stopped and I told Mountaintop, well, here's what I really believe, right? And I stopped for a second. And I explained it. And I found out when I explained it that way, I actually have a lot of Orthodox people that say, okay, I, I can actually agree with you there, right? Because the Orthodox believe that you're not actually saved until you finish the race. Now, there we disagree. I believe you're saved once you put your faith in him. I just believe yeah. that some people might have a false false faith and therefore they're not really saved they boasted their, their they boast themselves up boost themselves up but 
800 years ago, 1,000 years ago, we don't understand the semantics that that person uses, the way that person talks. All we have are these little snaps, these little snippets of their life. I mean, my 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 TikTok page probably has 1,000 videos by now. Heck, probably 2,000 videos. Even that is only a snippet of who I am, right? Because you would have to be around me to get to know me. Same thing goes with the church fathers. I don't know what they mean by everything they say. All I can do is guess. That's what we're doing. We're, we interpret, right? Interpreting is guessing. I don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, you have a you can have a 99% chance of being right, and you can have a 5% chance of being right. But at the end of the day, you're taking their words, you're looking at the context, and you're still trying to figure out what that human being was trying to put into words from his mind. And unless it's divinely inspired, there's no guarantee then what we're read that what we're reading is accurate, right? So all I'm saying is we can look at church fathers, we can look at all types of stuff, but let all men be liars. Let God be true. And Amen. real quick, Nia, you said, how do you know if you are really saved? I highly recommend you read First John. And then if you need help reading it, we actually did an entire podcast where we read First John together. It's if you go to past live streams, look for the one that says one John. I think it took two podcasts to do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we go through it. And the reason I'd rather you do that than just let me explain something to you is because I want you to go into the word of God and say, I'm confident in my salvation. I don't want you to hear Mike and be like, well, what Mike said makes me confident. I want you to gain confidence from his word, not my word. And, and by all means, if you want me to walk with you in that with JD, you can go back and watch that. But first yeah. John was literally written for this purpose that you have confidence on the day of, uh, uh, of South. Oh, the, not the day of, Sal day of salvation. Uh, what's the exact phrase? The yeah. confidence for the day of, it says something. Don't take my word. Your inheritance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But regardless though, the purpose of first John was written so that you may have assurance of faith. Right. And John talks about mainly, if you really read it, he really emphasizes, uh, paying attention to the spirit in you. Does God's love abide in you? There's three main things that you see in first John. And one of them ex extremely is, does God's love abide in you? The other one is, what do you confess? Do you confess that Jesus is, is the Christ who came in the flesh? And the other one is obedience to Jesus's command. But go read it. And again, we have a podcast, two episodes, so you can have four hours of us walking through those scriptures with you. I highly recommend anyone that has any doubts in their salvation, um, go and do that. Yeah, and just just again, you know, just to add on to what Mark has already said, believe the gospel. If you've believed, if you have truly believed, if your faith is in the fact that Christ is who he says he is, that he did come, God in the flesh, that he did die on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, as Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 15. And you and again, after you read first John, go through 1 Corinthians 15 because the context that I mean he goes on to explain if Christ is not raised, we are yet in our sins. Our preaching is vain. Our faith is in vain. All of everything we are doing here is in vain and pointless. And, and, and this is ultimately, again, he was raised for our justification. The price that was paid for sin, the full wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. And, you know, I spoke about this on TikTok the other day. We know a lot of people read this passage. And I'm just going to quickly do it before we finish with Galatians is is where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying father if it's your if there's any other way let this cup pass from me but not my will your will and a lot of people I've heard a lot of people say oh Jesus didn't want to die on the cross 
that's not what he was talking about. That's not the cup. The cup Christ was referring to was the cup of God's wrath. And we see this cup mentioned by the psalmist. We see it mentioned by Ezekiel. We see it mentioned by Isaiah. We see God's cup of wrath poured out on Israel time and time and time again. The cup of wrath is what Christ was referring to. And in that moment where Jesus Christ cries out, as we see there, Eli, Eli, Lema, Sebachtani, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is in that moment where Christ receives the full wrath of God for the full measure of sin, past, present, and future. So again, it's, it's, it's a question of, have you read the text for yourself? As Mike just said, like we can say, how do you know? Everyone can give you, again, we can get into semantics. We can get into this. But the truth of the matter is, have you believed the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's it. Have you believed the gospel? And First John shows mm-hmm. us byproducts of what comes from believing the gospel. And that word belief is a little deeper than just a mere thought in your head. I just want to throw this yeah. out there. Yeah. The word belief in scripture is almost synonymous with faith because it, the belief in scripture is a convicted belief. It is a trust. It is, it is that strong belief, right? It's not just like, yeah, you know, I mean, I believe that Jesus died for sins and, you know, you know, whatever, right? It's, I believe that he died for my sins, for the sins of the world. I believe that. I believe that to the point where I trust him with my salvation. I know I can't do enough, but I trust that he did do enough. And that trust will play out in your life. I I like to say it this way uh, because people get so confused. So what about works and faith? Your, Your works in your life contribute nothing to your salvation. However, your works are a product of your faith. So it's not that your your faith is defined by works. It's that your works are defined by your faith. And that's how all things work in life. Your actions in life are defined by the things you trust. I trust that my car starts every day. So I'm going to go outside at the last possible minute and start it because I'm not worried about it not starting. I trust that my wife is going to be, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, faithful. So I'm not calling her every minute she's outside of the house, right? My trust will define my actions. If I don't trust somebody, I'm checking in on them. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you okay over there? Everything good? Like you got my back, right? Right. So when you don't trust something, you'll notice the actions are evident. And that's why people who don't really trust Jesus end up believing in workspace gospels. Think about it. If Jesus said it is finished, what would be the only reason you feel like you need to do something to save yourself? You don't yeah. really trust them. And they don't want to hear me say that. I know there's workspace people listening right now saying, no, I trust him. Do you? Because he said it's finished. He said he did it. So like, what <laughs> do you trust him? 95% and you put five, you only got a hundred percent to give. So if you're putting 5% in your own bucket to do your own works, that means you don't give a hundred percent to him. You don't got 110%. This ain't basketball halftime where it's like, we got to get out there and give 110%. You ain't got that. That's not real. You have 100% of trust to give. Do you put it all on him or do you give him 90 and give yourself 10 because I need to do this. I need to be better. I need to do that. Give it all to him. Give it all to him. All right. All right. We'll get back to Galatians here. We can finish this. You know, me and JD struggle <laughs> yeah. at getting through uh, the Bible. We just start preaching and stuff. Um, I mean, well, we, we've got we've got Galatians six, which is, you know, just the practice of love. Again, just it's it's quite fitting because we've just gone through what first John says. And, and Paul puts love into practice in Galatians chapter six. Amen. 
Amen. I mean, all the Bible really goes. It's so, it is so connected. It's, it's so connected. Yeah, um, amen. Someone said, believe as Abraham. That's why I love what Romans 3 says. I'm sorry. One more thing. I love what Romans 3 says real quick, because I always tell people, uh, you know, or actually it's Romans 4, I apologize, that uh, what Abraham believed, because you you see it says Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. But have you ever asked yourself what exactly did Abraham believe in? Did he just believe that God was real? No, that's not what, obviously Abraham knew God was real. God spoke to him directly. That's not what God's speaking of. And it says it right here. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. So it was the promise of God that he had his belief in. He trusted that God would keep his covenant. And then look what it says. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, full convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So what did Abraham actually put his faith in? It was trusting that God would do what he promised. What did God promise? To make him a father of a great nation. Through him would be the offspring. The offspring is Jesus, as we read in Colossians. Um, I mean, and that Jesus would be, or be the salvation. Of, or actually, we read that in Galatians. Was it Galatians? Yeah, Galatians. Um, and, and it's through Jesus that everything would come. So prior to Jesus, they trusted in the promise that God made. Now we trust in the promise that came. Jesus is that promise. So that's why I said yeah. it's about trusting that he is going to do what he said he's going to do. Same thing Abraham did. Abraham said, I trust you. And Abraham's faith was demonstrated in his actions when he took his son up to the mountaintop and said, I'll do it. And God stopped him like, all right, I know you're going to do it, but I'll do it. And that's what I love about that. Abraham, he stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son on a mountain and said, don't worry, I'll provide. 2,000 years later on that same mountain, we believe, God sacrificed his own son rather than Abraham sacrificing his son. Praise be to the name. Amen. Boom. For every man shall bear his own load, his own burden. Oh, let me go back up. Sorry. Verse two, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This is a verse right here that kind of screams to uh, faith alone as well. If you think you're anything, anything you do matters, that you are nothing, you've deceived yourself. Let me say this very clear. If you think the reason you're going to heaven is because you are the well done, good and faithful servant, that's not you. Let me be very clear. When the Bible says, well done, my good and faithful servant, it's talking about Jesus. He's the well done, my good and faithful servant. And the only reason God the Father would ever say those words to you is because Christ in you. You're not a well done, good and faithful servant. Look back at the last 24 hours. You were not a faithful servant. There were moments of your day where you were jealous and proud and angry and, and, and maybe even lustful. If you think you're anything, you're nothing and you deceive yourself. It is all him. It will always, always be him. And it always has been him. It is Jesus. Sorry. Amen. Verse four. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, 
that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, excuse me, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, and, and I love that, if we do not give up, which goes hand in hand with what I was saying about true faith will always endure. If you give up, then, yeah, that faith wasn't real. I mean, I guess you don't want to be, be here, uh, like the parable of the sower. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I love how that points that out here because people fail to realize that love isn't horizontal, it's vertical. Paul is saying, be good to everyone, but especially to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's, that, that, that's your brothers and sisters. Yes, we love everyone, but if I have to choose between, like if I only have a moment where I can love one person, and I and and there's two in front of me. My brothers in Christ come first. Just like if I have to choose between God and my brothers in Christ, I choose God. Love is vertical, works its way down. You never break the love of the one above for the one below. Amen. See, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. I need to pull up the original manuscripts for this and see how large those letters were. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Ooh, ooh, that's that's deep for today. It might not be circumcision, but there are people trying to get you to fall into legalism today. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. You hear that? Yeah, right? that's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. We see so much of that, man. So yeah. much of that on TikTok. That's why I ask them, like, you don't even keep the law. What you coming to me about keeping the law? Yeah. Do you do you keep the Sabbath? Do you eat pork? Like, do you? What do you do? Let me see the sides of your face. How do you shave? Like, don't play with me. I bet you <laughs> just a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> but far be it from me to boast, except... In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. 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 And I that, mean, I, I just, I, that is I just, the word I just, of the Lord. Yeah, amen. And that's, uh, what a blessing. What a blessing again. You know, chapter six again, we, 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 we we went over it quickly, but that again, the sowing and reaping thing, it's, it's so abundantly clear when we go into the next verse. So a lot of people like to apply that to, to, to the tithe. Um, and, and again, that's, that's not how it works. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. He takes care of our every single need. He takes care of our every, and it says, that's, he said, that's what he says clearly. He will take care of our every single need. He will give us everything we need according to his riches, according to his riches in glory. So whatever we need to further the kingdom, God will make sure we have what we need to further the kingdom. You know, I'm a testimony of that with when it comes to the Bible ministry. 
you know, there are sometimes I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get all these Bibles. And then like it happens. And, you know, before the date, it happens. God always provides. And and just for those, just for, for if there are any Torah observers watching that are still under the law, in the words of my great, great friends, Timon and Pumbaa, are you aching? Yup, yup. Forrest and Bacon, yup, yup. He's a big pig, yup, yup. You could be a big pig too. Why? <laughs> Something's wrong with that man. I'm so, I apologize. For him, remember, for him, it's like 5.50 in the morning. He's still a little loopy from his lack of sleep. Don't, don't, don't mind him, guys. I thought he was about to drop some prophetic stuff. <laughs> Hey, most Torah observers that I've seen with my own eyes would be considered Gentiles. So I, I find it funny because you never see Paul talking to Gentiles trying to be under the law. Not never, not never, never, not ever, ever, not never, ever, never. But yet today, <laughs> Gentiles be like, oh, we got to go under the law. Like, bro, the law wasn't even given to you. You Have you ever read Romans 2? You, you were a law unto self. Your heart had a law written on it, but you, you were never under the law. The law was never, yeah. like, I'll be honest, I was never under Levitical law, ever, ever. Like, those were never my laws. They weren't given to me. Telling me about Levitical laws would be like me telling JD about the United States laws. Like, if I saw JD doing something right now, uh, I don't really know. About to get in the car without a seatbelt on. And let's say in Africa that wasn't illegal. And I said, JD. It's illegal to drive without your seatbelt because here in the U.S. it's illegal to drive without a seatbelt. He would say to me, I'm not in the U.S., so I don't care. So yeah. that's my response. When you give me a Levitical law, I don't live in the days of the Levitical laws. I'm not a part of the nation of Israel from 3000 B.C. That's, I'm a Gentile. Like No longer am I Gentile because I'm in Christ now. But if we're going to pretend I'm not in Christ, I'm still a Gentile. Like, Who are you trying to give this law to? It's not for me. Remember that. I mean, it's like in South Africa, we don't have the Fifth Amendment. We uh, we can't plead the Fifth, and we don't have juries. You know, you yeah, you just got the judge. You walk into court, and she bam, she delivers it. And I, I know you get it, Ash. I know you get it. And and like she was she was asking earlier, and I just I was laughing because she's like, I humbly request more sound effects where appropriate <laughs> we haven't hit the we haven't hit the sound effects much lately you know the the horn and the elsa let it go and the sound effects have been on the day low oh that's for, a good question so is there a, a good uh, a point in reading the book of leviticus yes 100 you see i'm just saying that you're not under the old law but that does not mean that the old law doesn't have a purpose Right. As we read in many of the New Testament epistles, first and foremost, that law had a foreshadowing. That law was meant to show us Christ. Jesus says in John chapter five, yeah, yeah, yeah. you search the scriptures as if they have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness to me. You see, Amen. all of the Old Testament bears witness to the coming of Christ. So the Old Testament is important because that shows us who Christ is. Also, you need to read the Old Testament if you really want to understand some of the stuff in the New Testament, because everyone in the New Testament is quoting and push and pointing back. I mean, matter of fact, here's this. If you've never read the Old Testament, don't tell me what revelation means. And I'm not trying to sound rude, but yeah. honestly, you can't read the book of Revelation without any Old Testament knowledge. The sad thing is a lot of people do. And that's why we get crazy uh, doctrines of of things from the uh, from the book of Revelation. Same thing with Hebrews. 
People that never read the Old Testament will go read Hebrews. You can't do that. If you've never read the Old Testament, the book of Hebrews makes absolutely no sense. Because why? Yeah. It's full of callbacks to the Old Testament. Heck, there's lots of parts in the old in the New Testament that should be confusing if you don't know what the Old Testament's teaching. So yes, we read the Old Testament because it's important. Now, right. I saw someone said, if you love God, you keep his commands. Yes, the commands given to us, though, teacher. The problem is a lot of people, and maybe you're a tour keeper, maybe you're not. A lot of people try to do this empathy thing. Like they try to make you feel like you're not loving God unless you do it the way you do it. I agree that if you love God, you'll keep his commands. But I keep the ones he gave me. Which ones did he give me? Jesus said, if you uh, uh, follow me, you follow my commands. And he gave his commands, which are to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and to love your neighbor. That was his commands, which he said upon all the law and the prophets hang on these two. In 1 John yeah. chapter 3, it says, if we keep his commands. And then it says his commands are to love the Lord your God and believe who sent who he sent and then love your neighbors. Right. So, yes, I do believe in following his commands, but not mm. to be saved again. The Old Testament law was never given for salvation. J Jesus says this clearly in John chapter yeah. five. The old law had nothing to do with salvation. The yep. new law has nothing to do with salvation. None of the laws have anything to do with salvation. Salvation has always Again. been by the grace of God. And just to add on to what, what, what my brother is saying, you know, the John MacArthur recently in a, in a, um, he has a discussion with Ben Shapiro, who's a Jew. And, and it's on YouTube. I suggest you guys go watch it. It's very good. But he says, he says something quite profound in the interview. He says he believes in Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is and salvation through Christ alone because of the Old Testament. Because of the Old Testament. Look at this man coming in on the left. Let me just sort this out. Like, stop doing like, like this is, this is exactly why we read the law. Because when you read the law, the Levitical law, it gives you a real good perspective on the grace that we are currently under. It gives you such a good perspective of what Jesus Christ came to fulfill. And when you read the 613 ordinances and you read that Christ fulfilled the law and all of the law, he kept every single law perfectly, perfectly. This puts it into perspective what Christ did so that you could be saved from being born from walking in the flesh, from his earthly ministry to carrying out things to what we, and this is the whole thing. And I, I said this to someone the other day I was talking to, the miracles are awesome. The, the blind eyes being opened, the deaf ears being opened, all of these things Jesus did. We lame men were dropped in from roofs and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven and pick up your mat and walk. All of these things are beautiful, but that's not why he came. He came to die on the cross for the sins of the world. That's what we need to remember. Jesus Christ came to die for you and for me and for Mike and for everyone in the chat. This is what Jesus Christ came to do. And because he came to do this, I mean, for those of you that don't know, we are doing the Hebrew st study on Discord. The links are all in, in Mike's bio on TikTok. Go check out his beacons. Um, before we say goodbye, I'm just going to remind everybody to subscribe, like, share, this was an awesome podcast, as always. Great fun. Good chat. Everybody in the chat, appreciate your, your comments and everybody getting involved and, and sticking around for the two hours looking at our ugly mugs, which is always a blessing to, to see you guys. And um, this was great. Thanks, brother. Uh, yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, we're about to get out of here in a moment. Um, 
And what is sin? Sin is transgression of the law of the Torah. Yes, that's why we're not under the law anymore, and therefore we, we don't sin anymore. Now, what we do is we do the acts of sin, but it says that the man of God who is indwelt with the Holy Spirit cannot sin. In fact, it literally says anyone who is born of God cannot sin. Do you want to know why we cannot sin? Because our sin isn't counted. Romans 4 says, blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no sin against. Why do you think the Lord counts no sin against us? Because the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled in us. Romans 8 says the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled in us. If I had more time, hey, bud, I would play with you. I would. I'd go back and forth and ask you some questions. And I mentioned earlier, I would love to ask you what it is finished means when he was on the cross, what fulfilling the law means when it says it in the Bible. It's easy for us to just pick and pick little pieces of the Bible and say, well, look, see, this says this. What is the entire Bible's message? What does Jesus mean when he says that you search the scriptures as if they have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness to me? What does it mean when he says those who believe in me will pass through death and into life and will not come into judgment? Well, if it says, if I believe in Jesus, I don't come into judgment. Therefore, I don't come into judgment of the law. Therefore, I'm not under the law. So at what point does the believer in Christ have to stand judgment for the law if it says we don't come into judgment? You see how the scriptures don't go in line with that. The only way that you can uphold the Torah is by throwing the New Testament out. And that even that is wrong because Jesus told the Pharisees, you didn't even understand what this was about because you think it's about the law. But again, we're about to get out of here, so I don't have time to do that with you. Um, I appreciate gospel, you guys. Man. Yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Set your eyes on the cross, guys. We will be back Monday at 9 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Central as always, uh, 4 a.m. Uh, uh, African, South African time. Because uh, we actually, so, oh, side side note here. I was looking at my analytics, JD. Do you know what the my, the largest population city-wise that, that watches my, uh, my uh, that, that follows me is? Johannesburg. What? Yes, that's, that's the thing in my analytics. Now, don't get me wrong. My largest population altogether is America, but like in one individual location, because it also break it down cities. Johannesburg is topping the chart uh, as far as my followers go. <laughs> no, which is no. That's all about you, dude. It has nothing to do with me. It can't be. How in the world do <laughs> people in Johannesburg is where is how far is that from you? I'm in Joburg. I'm in Johannesburg. Oh, man, that's your people. Oh man, look at that. That's cool. That's cool. Um, but it's my hometown. Look at that. Uh, uh, God bless, guys. I would love to keep going. And as you know, I will. I'm live on TikTok. I, I'm gonna hop over there for the little after show and hang out for a minute before I go play some uh, Xbox and relax. But with that being said, we gotta get out of here. JD's gotta go be a dad. I gotta, I guess, go on TikTok. So I don't really have an excuse, but I love you all. God bless you love all. You all. God and I can't wait to see you guys on Monday. Go in peace. I'm usually I'm already queued up normally, but I'm not even queued up. Oh, I gotta find the music, and I'm out of here. Love you all.